This is Educate, a podcast from APM Reports about ideas and research on how we teach and learn. I'm Stephen Smith. We want our children to be the best educated in the world. We want every child to have access to a world-class education. President-elect Donald Trump's pick for Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, is scheduled for congressional confirmation hearings next week. DeVos is a school choice advocate and an influential education philanthropist in Michigan. Critics claim that she's inexperienced and that she wants to dismantle the public school system. Supporters say she's going to challenge the education establishment and give more authority to states. This week, we take a closer look at Betsy DeVos and the department that she may be running in a matter of weeks. Allison Klein covers federal education policy for Education Week. She sat down with APM Reports associate producer Suzanne Pico, who started out by asking her to explain what the education department does anyway. So the Department of Education has many, many, many functions and offices and programs. Probably the most important thing it does on K-12 education is it gives out money to states and school districts to help educate poor kids and students in special education. It also administers the student lending program, and it has some smaller programs that may encourage school districts to try out some kind of innovation, like using personalized learning, for instance, or programs to help states improve the quality of their teachers. So it, it does quite a, quite a few things. And this is an aside, how long have you been in Washington? Uh, goodness, like hmm, 12 years. Okay, so you've seen a couple yeah. of education <laughs> so I've seen secretaries. I've change hands. Uh, this will be the third, I guess, administrative changeover, but I also saw a couple shifts in secretaries, too. So as someone who's been there for a number of years and um, closely follows education policy, were you surprised by the nomination of Betsy DeVos? I mean, it was Donald Trump, right? So no one really knew, since he doesn't have you know, a track record in government, who he would end up picking for these key positions. Um, that said, Betsy DeVos wasn't um, at the top of the list of Republicans that I talked to right after uh, the inauguration. Usually, um, presidents will choose someone who's been a governor or a state school chief or maybe a top education aide of theirs um, to run the Department of Education. For instance, the current secretary, John King, was the state school chief in New York before he took over the job. And Betsy DeVos has been an advocate um, and a you know major political donor. So she's done a lot through... Um, you know, kind of the nonprofit and political processes. But her background is really, you know, non-traditional for an education secretary. Yeah. So when you compare her profile to like Arne Duncan, she she has not had nearly the experience inside schools. Yeah. She's had a really different kind of experience pushing policy, particularly school choice at the state level. Um, and she's never really been kind of inside these bureaucracies, either in districts or um state education agencies. So what influence can education secretaries actually have over the department and over public K-12 and higher education as we know it? So that's a great question. There's obviously a number of laws on the books um, that Betsy DeVos and her team will have to implement. The most important one that I follow, because I'm a K-12 reporter, is the Every Student Succeeds Act, which just passed in 2015. So it's a pretty new law. Um, to replace No Child Left Behind. And it actually turned a lot of decisions 
on K-12 policy when it comes to teachers and school turnarounds and even some testing um, provisions over to states and school districts. So she'll have sort of a more limited role there. That said, being the education secretary is a big bully pulpit um, in the education world. And what the department chooses to emphasize um, can trickle down to states and school districts. We saw this when, um, for instance, Arnie Duncan you know, gave out money, and he, he had competitive grants at his disposal to encourage states to try out more rigorous college and career-ready standards. And then we saw, you know, nearly every state adopt the Common Core standards. So the secretary can be, um, can be pretty influential, especially if they have, um, as Duncan did, um, some competitive grant money at their disposal. One of the things she's been both criticized and praised for is her support of school choice and charter schools. As a department head, will she be likely to win support for that school choice agenda? So it depends on what she decides to pitch. There's a lot of different ways you can go on school choice. What Trump uh, proposed on the campaign trail was a $20 billion voucher program that would be funded out of existing money. So they would take money out of another program and either allow states and districts to use it as vouchers or turn it into a voucher program. And that would be a really, really tough sell in Congress. Um, Congress actually considered something somewhat similar when it was working on ESSA, the Every Student Succeeds Act that I just talked about. And lawmakers from both parties, including a number of Republicans, voted against it. And it also, in the House, failed to clear some procedural hurdles. So that's going to be that's going to be a tough lift. There are a lot of smaller things, though, that she can do, like tax credit scholarships, which would... Um, allow folks to get a tax credit for donating to a scholarship organization. Some, some states have these, um, but we have yet to see a version at the federal level, and that's something that she could push for. She may also just use the Every Student Succeeds Act to encourage states to take advantage of some of the school choice provisions that are already in there. So she may just talk a lot about them, make sure states are aware of them, so that more states and districts take advantage of the school choice things that they can already do under existing law. Another one of Trump's uh, campaign promises related to education was that he was going to dismantle the Common Core state standards. Is this possible? So I don't know exactly how Trump would do that. Um, the Every Student Succeeds Act um, that we've been talking about prohibits the U.S. Secretary of Education from telling states which standards they can or can't use. So that would mean that Trump couldn't tell them they had to use the Common Core, but conversely, he couldn't tell them they couldn't use it either. So I don't exactly know what their plan for that is. Um, If they're going to really get rid of or prohibit the Common Core, they would have to reopen the Every Student Succeeds Act. In your opinion, is that likely to happen? I I really doubt it. Um, The lawmaker, the the main lawmakers who wrote ESSA um, are still in Congress. And uh, Senator Alexander, who was you know, one of the biggest champions of ESSA, one of the major architects of ESSA in Congress, um, is really satisfied with the bill. He's still the chairman of the Senate Education Committee. He's ready to move on to higher ed. So I don't see this as some, being something that they are going to be eager to open up quickly. Plus, I mean, right now, 36 states and the District of Columbia are still using the Common Core. And that means a lot of states represented by, you know, Republican senators and Republican House members are still using these standards. And I don't know that um, 
folks in those states would take kindly to Congress telling them they had to, you know, throw them out and, and rewrite new standards. The Obama administration was actually criticized for demanding so much change so quickly um, on states and school districts, and that would just be one more big change. I think they're just ready to kind of move forward with the, with the agendas they already have. There are rumblings about federal overreach in education policy. Is that something that Betsy DeVos is looking to change? So we don't know for sure yet, because all we really know about Betsy DeVos is that she is a big fan of school choice. She hasn't come out and really talked about what she sees as the federal role in K-12 education. That said, the Republican Party, especially right now, you know, has lately been uh, big champions for local and state control of education. And the Every Student Succeeds Act really emphasizes that. It really allows um, states and school districts to go in their, the direction they want to go when it comes to teachers and how they measure schools. So it would be hard for her to go back and, and make the federal role even more limited than it already has been under this bipartisan compromise. For-profit colleges got a lot of attention during the Obama administration, which ultimately led to a lot of rules and regulations around for-profits. What can we expect to change with regards to oversight of for-profits under Betsy DeVos? So again, we don't know for sure how Betsy DeVos feels about for-profit colleges because her background is really in school choice and she hasn't weighed in yet on many of those other issues. But um, most folks are expecting that the Trump administration won't be nearly as aggressive as the Obama administration has been in um, oversight of for-profit colleges. Um, And in fact, I'm sure most listeners probably remember that Donald Trump himself got in trouble during the presidential campaign for Trump University, which some saw as a for-profit college um, that many said, and there was a lawsuit saying that it was scamming students, which he then settled that lawsuit. So it's hard to imagine he would go from that lawsuit over Trump University to really cracking down on for-profit colleges. Um, I can say I did hear that stock in for-profit colleges went up um, after the, uh, the Trump wins, so I think that's what Wall Street is banking on, too. Looking ahead to the confirmation hearings, what can we expect? Uh, is it going to be um, a knockdown, dragout fight? Is it going to be pretty boring? What, what do you think is going to happen? So I definitely don't think it will be boring. I think Democrats on the committee will be asking DeVos many of the questions you just asked me. You know, folks want to know where she stands on higher education, where she stands on the federal role, where she stands on accountability. And I think they'll also be asking about her record in Michigan. Her family has been really instrumental in pushing charter school legislation there. Um, But some people see Michigan's charter sector as something of a wild, wild west, where there are a lot of options out there for parents, but not necessarily a lot of good options in some places. So I think she'll definitely get some questions on that. Given all this controversy surrounding DeVos, will she get confirmed? Yeah, I think she will, because it only takes um, a majority of votes for a nominee to get confirmed, and the Republicans have a 52 edge in the Senate So um, it's hard to imagine uh, DeVos not getting most Republicans, if not all Republicans, um, on board with her nomination. I guess I should ask this. Why why do Republicans like her? (laughs) That's a great question. I would say, first of all, you know, she has been a huge donor to the Republican Party. Um, I believe she was one of the top 20 in the 2016 election cycle, according to the Center for Responsive Politics, or at least her family was one of the top 20. 
you know, and she's given to a lot of political action committees. You know, your reader, your listeners may be familiar with, for instance, Crossroads. She's a, she and her family have been big donors there. Um, and also this idea of school choice is really appealing to Republicans um, who have said for a long time, for decades, um, that they think that public education is a sort of monopoly and that it would really, the best way to improve schools is to give parents more choices. That was Allison Klein, a reporter with Education Week. She covers federal education policy for the Politics K-12 blog. You can find a link to Klein's work at apmreports.org. And while you're there, you can check out our archive of podcasts and documentaries about education. We'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. Contact information is at our website, apmreports.org. Or you can write a review on iTunes. That will help other people find our podcast. We are on Facebook at APM Reports and on Twitter. Our handle is at Educate Podcast, one word. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM. APM.